somewhere in the bowels of the city that never sleeps. Kevin McCullough, radio host with Salem Media. Is a man also not sleeping? Syndicated radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. And that guy would like a word with you. Many of you know him from as Lutz Trudamas. Of course that Kevin show is going to be great. The only thing that could be greater, of course, would be that Donald show. We don't have that, so we have that Kevin show. Featuring the music of Dick Tunney and the Dream in Color Orchestra. And tonight on That Kevin Show, he's a satellite radio superstar, Andrew Wilkow. A pastor, evangelist, and a movie star, Greg Laurie. She's a thrice-credentialed human behavioralist, Dr. Gina Loudon, funny man Gabe Rutledge, and a country sweetheart who's had her heart broken and has six songs to sing about it, Kelsey Ballerini. Now, from Times Square, where the wait staff of the Stardust Diner mock him nightly in sweet serenade, here's that Kevin. I, I don't know that it's nightly. I don't think that's true. I can we can we have someone check on that, please? You keep saying things in the uh, opening of the show that I'm not convinced. I, I don't know that the wait staff even knows my name. If they could mock me nightly in Sweet Serenade, it's likely that they would. But uh, I, I'm not. I'm not. I can't vouch for that 100 percent. Uh, just yet. Anyway, welcome to Saturday, Kevin McCullough. Very glad to have you with us. We've got a big show. For the next couple of hours, I don't want you anywhere else. You, you just got to be right here. Uh, we are going to have so much fun. And part of the reason we're going to have fun is because some of the people that I have on tonight <laughs> just don't care. Like, they literally uh, love their country, love their family, love uh, their fellow man so much that they don't mind being pretty politically incorrect. So uh, get used to it uh, for tonight. It's it's going gonna, it's gonna to verge on that a lot. We've got... Uh, Wait, is it true we've got the presidential – we do. Okay, we've got uh, presidential voicemail tonight. Uh, we've got uh, Gabe Rutledge, funny man in the house. He's going to be great. Uh, and Kelsey Ballerini, who um, – I, I mean, if you can have the ultimate get-even card in your, in your bag of tricks, uh, go through a breakup. Turn every element of that breakup into six different chapters of that breakup and then record six different songs – uh, documenting that breakup, and then go make a bazillion dollars with it. Uh, Kelsey Ballerini, she's here tonight. Uh, SNL next week on NBC should be a lot of fun, but it's all about the mountain with a view. And they are sad songs, but they are raw, they are good, and uh, you're going to enjoy them. All right, I, I, there's a lot to get to. A lot to get to. But we have to deal with the incredibly weird story that is the foreman of the Georgia grand jury convened to discern if they should in fact indict former president number 45, Donald J. Trump. I've never seen this happen before, but the foreman of that grand jury out this week with lots and lots of weird interview moments. Take a look. 
personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. How old is this woman? Is she 12? Not, Not yet 12? I've never heard the foreman of a grand jury ever talk like that, number one. But number two, she's a little too giddy about the opportunity. Uh, it just, it's just strange. So I, I thought, well, maybe there's more to her than, than meets the eye. And sure enough, there is. Uh, turns out this one happens to be, take a look right here, happens to be a witch. Now, I'm not talking about like, just someone who goes out and has a stick and points it north and uh, tries to uh, conjure up water from the ground. Uh, it's not it's not your typical run-of-the-mill Wiccan. Take a look at her Pinterest page. The uh, New York Post, the only media source brave enough to bring this out. But uh, she, she's got all kinds of stuff on the Pinterest page that actually details witchcraft and the desire to do magical things with the witchcraft that she practices and the witchcraft. Now, this is not lost on the former president who very astutely said, look, the Georgia grand jury, like the Russia probe, like the impeachments, is just a Witch hunt, except that now you've got the, the difference here is in, in this face, this this kind of diabolical face. What is that? But she she wanted to look into his eyes. She wanted to see if for sixty seconds she could have a really awesome moment swearing him in before she went out and did her blab all interviews all over CNN and Fox and MSNBC. This last week, this this is this is quite the story from the week. I mean, I, of all the things that I did not expect to to be talking about here in the open, uh, a, a literal witch leading, in the former president's words, a witch hunt, was not what I had anticipated. Now, what? Oh, now's the time to check the presidential. Okay, we've got we've got we've got. Special presidential White House hotline, all of the living presidents, and a special guest. Kevin, it's me, Emily Coors, Wicked Wiccan from the state of Georgia. I wanted to make 45 swear an oath to me. I mean to tell the truth, and only to me. I mean nothing but the truth. Hey, Kevin, it's done all of your favorite presidents. I told you it was a witch hunt with literally a witch leading the hunt. I wanted to look into his eyes. (laughs) Hey, Kev, it's Senator Biden from Delaware. Are you sure that's Emily Coors? Because it sounds a lot like President Harris. (laughs) I'll get him, my pretty. Hey, Kev, it's W. Uh, 
Tell Joe, I don't think he should be saying that. Yeah. Yeah, Kev, it's Barack. Uh, my guess was going to be Michelle. Yeah, Kev, it's Bill. Tell the guys that's actually the sound of Hillary when she's having a conniption. It's frightening. William Two-Faced Jefferson, you want to see a conniption? Yeah, Kev, W again. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. That orange-faced oversized munchkin. Kev, Donald, I told you, I told you all along. It's a witch hunt being led by an actual witch. Call me back. <laughs> Hard to dispute the facts. Um, the 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 grand jury in Georgia, thin on evidence that, and you have to understand what he's actually being, uh, in if they indict him, what he's being indicted for. It's supposedly for election interference. Now, the interference if it happened supposedly happened after the election when he was on a phone call with the secretary of state and the governor asking if they could recount the votes just to make sure that they were right there, there's a lot of people including the uh, the witch for woman which is that what we call it uh that that believe that he's going to be likely indicted and maybe they will. You can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. It doesn't mean that anything's going to go anywhere. But I don't think that there's even really grounds for it. Because when you look at it, all he was doing was saying, guys, um, there's a lot of suspicious stuff going on with the votes. Uh, shouldn't we take a look at maybe making them, making sure that they're all valid? That, that, that was the essence of what he was asking the Secretary of State, and the Governor of Georgia at the time to do. Now, you may disagree with me on that, but that's my assessment. That's where that's where I kind of hang my hat. He, he wasn't asking them to cheat, to change the rules or anything like that. He was asking them to make sure that the election totals were valid, which they claimed they were. And now we have Senator Biden from Delaware, who can't remember his own name half the time, Anyway, which leading witch hunts uh, tonight on radio uh, on that Kevin show? Don't go anywhere. Coming back live from New York with the former shock jock, now talk radio icon Andrew Wilkow, only on that Kevin show. It's that Kevin show. Hey, Kev, it's Senator Biden from Delaware. Um, I'm over here in Ukraine picking up a check for Hunter, and I think I balanced the budget. I paid for all the pensions and the social programs. Hey, Kev, it's Kamala. Let's just ignore that last message. Hey, Kev, it's Donald, 45, your favorite president. Um, look. He falls up the stairs getting on planes in America. He falls down the stairs getting off planes in the Ukraine. And what's the deal with stairs? And why is he in Ukraine? What's he giving him money for? Hey, Kev, Senator Biden again. Tell Mr. Trump that it's 10% for the big guy, baby. 
Hi, Cav. It's Kamala again. Uh, please erase that last one. For the, okay. Here he is. That Kevin. Kevin McCullough. All right. My next guest is someone that if you're a fan of talk radio, you probably don't need any introduction to. Uh, he is uh, someone that I think the rest of the nation needs to know just as well. And we're so happy to have him with us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Andrew Wilcox. Mr. Andrew, it is great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me on a Saturday night. It's uh, well, I know you've got so many. <laughs> you just didn't have anything else to do. You're not busy enough. <laughs> you said, let me do some more media tonight when my family <laughs> needs me to put the kids to bed and all the rest of it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, really. Good. Actually, sometimes coming into the city on a Saturday night is is better than coming in here for work. I mean, if you can if you could take it. Well, let me ask you, what's in the coffee mug? It's coffee, I swear. Yeah. It's only, it's only, it's only I'm not, coffee. I'm not sure I can attest to the same. Mind, so <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Uh, hey, it's it's good to have you. Some people know that uh, I'm on occasion, given the very high honor of getting to fill in for you on the Salem News Channel, 5 p.m. every weeknight. But a lot of people may not know where Andrew Wilcow came from. So I want to do a little, want to do a little profile here tonight. Where did right. Andy grow up? Belmore, New York, uh, Long Island. My 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 dad was from Brooklyn. My mom was from the Bronx. Strong Island, you mean? Strong Island. <laughs> oh God, I haven't heard someone say that in thirty thirty years. Strong, Strong, Strong Island. Show, if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna do that, you're gonna have the you gotta have the Brogues, a Strong Island. Yeah, exactly. Cruise well, the Pike. When you were a kid, and I'm assuming that we're not too far apart in age, we, we might be further apart than I think, but I think we're pretty close. What was life like in terms of your awareness of what was going on in the world? And how did you end up, I mean, you, you were in rock and roll radio for a while, but then you made the great shift over to talk and being really passionate about issues. And I would say you're arguably the most passionate about the greatest number of issues, maybe anybody that works in the talk media industry. My dad was what you might call a libertarian. Um, his father came to the United States from what we affectionately now call Ukraine during food as a weapon. And he raised my father, he had my father later in life, uh, he raised my father with a healthy skepticism of big government. Mm. And uh, my first memory of politics, and it's actually, it's been a line I've put in bios throughout my career. My dad took me to Shore Road Elementary School in Belmore, New York in 19, 1980 uh, to vote for Ronald Reagan. And I, I'll never forget, he brought me into the booth and he was a small business owner. My dad owned an army and Navy store. He had, he had done his time in New York City, actually in the Empire State Building. He was an in-house accountant for, for a suit company and he just, you know, back then, even in the 1970s, couldn't take it anymore. And he bought this this kind of failing business on the east end of Long Island, which made him the opposite commuter. Everyone's heading, you know, as, as heading west towards the city. He was heading east to East Northport. And he got down on one knee 
And just another side of that, Grumman was out there not far from this Army-Navy store okay. where we sold work clothes. And we had a really great customer base of, of people out out there. He got down on one knee and said, Reagan is good for business. And he cast his vote. And at eight years old, I didn't really understand that. And just my dad was, Ronald Reagan could do no wrong. I grew up in Nassau County in the halcyon days of Tom Galata and the Republican Party and, and keeping taxes low and all that. But my dad never said, you'll think this way or this is how you need to see this. He would just put me through scenarios or ask me questions or you know explain things in a way that I kind of came out the other side Seeing seeing things through his eyes, but you know, as a teenager, I was a little rebellious, like we all were. And my goal was to work in rock radio. But when I landed in a station in in West Virginia that literally was just a warm body job, I kind of started doing what I wanted to between the songs and a little bit of blue humor, a little bit of politics, and then I got fired. After helping, you know, after taking number one at night uh, with a 24 share, and I got a call from a station in Hartford, and the guy said, "Look, if you can drop this blue humor thing, I really love what you're saying about news and events and all this other stuff between songs. I got a gig." 10, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. the midday. Wow. And I went to Hartford and I started, and 9 11 happened, and there I was just hammering down a conservative message. The Michael Skakel trial was taken. I was, I was insulting the Kennedys in New England you know, on a <laughs> daily basis. And it, it, just, it just got some attention outside of rock radio and, and Hartford. And that's, that's kind of how I landed in New York City. As, as a host, not as a kid growing up in the suburbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you did um, land at a, at a very prestigious station, WABC. And I remember uh, when I first moved to the area, I was doing afternoon drive for the Salem station uh, here. I would listen to you on the weekend and think, man, this guy has got a lot of energy. He should be on five days a week. <clears throat> and too bad WABC didn't see it that way. But uh, you, you did land at Sirius XM where people can listen to you now 12 to 3 every day. There is no more rush. If, you, if you're looking for great insights into uh, the uh, events of the day, turn on Andrew from noon to three. It's a great option for you. But <laughs> I don't mind telling I, I, I just, just a real quick side note to that. When Melk, so the, the story there is Melk Harmazin was heading out to his house in the Hamptons, the Mel Carmazin, right? Howard Stern, Viacom, CBS Radio, Mel Carmazin. And his car had broken had broken down. I guess he had rented a car and was checking in with his with his other favorite radio station for news traffic and weather. And it was WABC at the top of the noon hour after I inherited noon to two from Mark Levin, who just went full time, you know, six to eight or six to nine at the time. Right, right, right. And he he heard he just left the radio on and he said he listened to the show all the way out to the Hamptons. And he said he took out a post-it note and stuck it to the dashboard that said, hire that guy. Huh. And then he called WABC and wanted more information. When they brought me into my hiring meeting, I had no idea what time slot they were looking at me for. I had been doing uh, late afternoons in, in Albany on Monday through Friday and weekends on WABC going back and forth. I was doing nine to noon uh, eventually there, and they said, we want you to do noon to three. And I said, you know what you're asking, right? You're, you're, you, yeah. you're, asking, you're, you're asking me to do something that no one has done. And you know what? I, I at that moment had to decide. If you're afraid to fight, then stay out of the ring. Andrew Wilkow, my special guest on 
That Kevin Show, coming right back. Stick around for more of That Kevin. Next, That Kevin Show with Kevin McCullough. Kevin McCullough back from New York, That Kevin Show, Saturday nights, 300 radio stations, two TV networks, Biz TV and Salem News Channel. We're very grateful to have all of you watching, listening, being here. And I'm so grateful to have my friend Andrew Wilkow joining us. Uh, every now and then I get to sit in his very, very esteemed chair uh, at the uh, Salem News Channel. And Andrew, let's let's just talk about that for a second. Media, since you and I got into the talk radio game, has completely morphed. It is not about who owns the transmitter or the brick-and-mortar studio. It is about where your message can be delivered and how quickly it can get to people and how can they find it on their own time. What do you, what do you make of the era that you're living through now, working for an OTT television network as part of your job, working for a satellite radio uh, company for another part of your job, and, and still you know, getting the message out and impacting millions of lives when it used to be, if you didn't have the transmitter and you didn't have the studio, you were, you know, out of luck. When I first got considered for a job, it was just serious then, in 2005. People said, no one's going to pay for radio. And I was like, I don't know. Commercials are kind of, you know, like, like I was working for a clear channel station at the time. Well, before I was doing full-time talk, I was, I was at a music station. And I think our commercial breaks got up to like seven minutes on a music station. You know, with talk rate, it's a little different because it's more talk, right? And you have a lot of the hosts voicing it over, which is what people are used to hearing. But I, I think at that time, the sales department was getting a little arrogant about attention spans and that, you know, people might just be willing to pay for 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 some radio. I think when YouTube first came out, I think a lot of people didn't realize the power of online online content this way and now streaming is i mean look salem news channel look we're it's it's a new thing it's my show's only a year old but you look at the growth of streaming and versus the business model of some of the major you know networks if you can bring in a show for a fraction of the price it's not always the ratings you get it's the ratings you get because of revenue right, right. so if you're paying if you're paying a, a celebrity to do something that's really costing you more than it ever brings in it, it, you know it, i think i think we haven't seen how far this has evolved yet. So whether it's podcasting, whether it's OTT and, and streaming, I think the the dinosaurs that ruled for so long in the end of it, I don't even think they saw it coming in the beginning. Yeah. Kind of like, you well, know, Anheuser. One of the reasons why Salem is really ahead of the curve on this in a lot of ways. And just this week, um, there were statistics that were put out from Nielsen that showed for January of 23, uh, broadcast television held about 25% of the viewing audience. Cable held about 30% of the viewing audience. And streaming was at 39% of the total audience pie for people consuming video. So this is exactly where people are at. That's not more than the other two combined, obviously. 
but it is more than either one of those sectors, and it is a it is a a, a monster to be res, uh, reckoned with for sure. I'll switch gears uh, yeah. for for the day job just for real quick because we've yep. only got a couple of minutes left. Um, you're very very focused on the um, the taxation systems that we have been suffering under, and you think that there's an opportunity with this Congress that there hasn't been in the past. What is it? I think the progressive tax code sounded good on paper to some people that the rich would pay more if we had brackets. But then we started freeing people from paying taxes altogether, and that number has been growing, and they call it democracy. Well, it might be democracy, but it certainly isn't fair that you know a larger group of people just get to take what they want from a smaller group of people. But the penny plan, the flat tax, the fair tax, these were all like Ayn Rand libertarian drinking club topics that that really, you know, you know what I mean? Yep. Now we have members of Congress who are actually sponsoring legislation and maybe Kevin McCarthy's doing it just for his own political survival uh, in the Republican caucus. But these are real proposals that are being presented in real forms for the first time in a long time. Well, so I'm very passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's really no downside to this. Uh, my first book, which was 150 years ago when I wrote it, um, one of my major uh, chapters in that book was, if we're going to talk about freedom and fairness for all, then you have to have a tax system that acknowledges that fairness across the board. And that means no one pays nothing, and everyone should be uh, seen as equals in the eyes of the of the government that's taxing them. And that's why I was a big believer in the flat tax. I know that the fair tax has its arguments. I've, I'm not as familiar with the penny plan. We're right, they're wrong. <laughs> Andrew Wilkow, we're out of time. It's okay, Kevin. Please come back sometime. Yes, I'll come back to that Kevin show. All right, Kevin McCullough coming back from New York. Stay with us. Ready or not, we'll be right back. That Kevin Show. Kevin McCullough. Now, back to that Kevin show with Kevin McCullough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest I am so honored to have with us uh, because he's someone that has been on very uh, on all my radio properties at different times, even when I was doing a short fill-in stint for the late Frank Pastore in uh, Southern California on KKLA. Uh, he was someone that made himself available to talk about nearly every subject that he was ever asked to, and he's done very interesting biographies in terms of books that he's published, and he's always one of my favorite people to talk to, but now He's got a movie coming out, and it's about, of all things, his life. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Greg Laurie. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Great to be with you. We're connected from Thanks Southern California. Thanks for that California warm response, to, too. <laughs> yeah, we're connected from Southern California all the way to New York City. And uh, nice. it's amazing. I love what, New York. Kevin, been there for a while. You need to come back. Uh, and I'm gonna, I do, for sure. And make sure that you do that. Hey, um, I got so much I want to ask you about because I started getting wind of Jesus Revolution probably, I don't know, two years ago when uh, mm -hmm. it was uh, going into production. And I've been just biting at the bit to see the finished product and it's it looks like it's going to be such a phenomenal piece of storytelling 
It all started when I had a conversation with John Irwin, the director of the film. He also wrote the screenplay. He had a copy of Time magazine with that psychedelic image of Jesus on the cover, Jesus Revolution. I think it was 1972. And he said, I've been wanting to make a movie about this, uh, but I wanted to meet someone who was there. And, and then as time passed, he said, I want to write this story around you, your wife, when we were very young and our teens still, and then Chuck Smith and Lonnie Frisbee, two people that came together, a pastor and a hippie evangelist, and there was like nitroglycerin. And I think what's going on in our world right now, in scary ways, with talk of nuclear war, with the fentanyl crisis, with, with the teens, a CDC report, young people depressed, especially young girls contemplating suicide, uh, then we see a ray of light with what's going on in Asbury at the yeah. um, college there. And we see young people embracing Christ. Take us historically to that era because people that didn't live on the West Coast uh, largely had to find out about this in kind of repercussive yeah. waves that came across the country later. But talk about Lonnie and Chuck and even your own uh, crisscrossing with them because this was a genuinely like watershed moment like you just yeah. didn't do this in church back then no well what we accept as normal today was really radical back then uh like when we started our church 50 years ago i don't know of anyone who was doing startup churches as we call them now uh they were usually established churches so all kinds of ground was being broken when i became a christian at age 17 1970 I did not understand that I'd walked into a spiritual awakening. Hmm. I was just a kid. My mom was married and divorced seven times. And the movie shows the young Greg caring for his beautiful mother, Charlene, who's a Marilyn Monroe lookalike, how he had to grow up fast. I'm speaking of him in this you know, third person, but I'm talking about the character in the film. And then how he searches through drugs, all things that I did looking for answers and it was almost like a process of elimination and remember i'm only 17 so my brain is only so big right <laughs> so but in my 17 year old brain i thought i know there's more to life than i'm living it's not in the sometimes affluent lifestyle of my mother and her drinking and partying it's not in my drug filled choices that's certainly empty where is it and i came across a group of very outspoken christians on my high school campus and there was a preacher there visiting that day named Lonnie Frisbee, and he's portrayed in the film by the excellent actor and my friend, Jonathan Rumi. He also plays Jesus in The Chosen. He plays this part to perfection. Mm. And, uh, and so he preached. I heard the gospel for the first time in a way I understood, and that was the day I came to Christ. So I went to Calvary Chapel, Chuck Smith, in the film played by Kelsey Grammer, an unbelievable performance. Kelsey himself says it's his greatest performance of his entire career. Wow. So, and by the way, John Irwin, the director of the film, said it's the greatest film he's ever directed. So these are what they're saying. So uh, what they're saying, rather. Um, so Kelsey, you know, is there. He has a failing church, and he meets Lonnie, this hippie evangelist, and Chuck wants to reach the young people. So he opens his heart, and he opens the doors of his building and a revival breaks out. It, given the context of all of that, you mentioned Asbury just a second ago. I want to go yeah. back to that for a second. Um, the country's really having a hard time understanding what that is. And yeah. I think that's a good thing. But what are your thoughts about what you're seeing and hearing uh, coming out of Kentucky? Yeah, well, you know, like on the day of Pentecost, 
the Holy Spirit's poured out. And what do people say? What does this mean? Okay, here's what it means. Uh, you know, sometimes we use the word awakening and revival. Uh, an awakening is a big thing. In America, we've had four great awakenings in our history, all at pivotal times, the last being the Jesus movement. That's what this film, Jesus Revolution, is about. But revival, that's just when people wake up spiritually. A revival can be statewide. It can be nationwide. It can be citywide. It can be churchwide. And it can be personal. Revival means to come back to life, to return to original condition, if you will, a passionate relationship with Christ. So, these kids at Asbury are having their chapel service. The young man gave a message. His name was Zach. He even said afterwards, I didn't think it was a very good message. Yeah. And something happened. It wasn't about his message. It wasn't about the building. It wasn't about the music. It was about Jesus choosing to sovereignly move. And these kids are pouring their hearts out in prayer. And I watched a report on the news last night. And uh, Ainsley Earhart was interviewing these kids, and I, I was so impressed with what they're saying. Is young people talking about how they sense God's love and the love that was in that room and their passion for Jesus and wanting to tell others about him. This is a good thing. Because when you contrast this to the CDC report and think about young ladies, young girls in particular, yeah. how desperate they are, and then you see this happening, you realize this is America's only hope. Well said. Greg Laurie, great to see you. And uh, thank you for you. your efforts here. And we will be praying for the best uh, all weekend and hope for those box office returns. And those of you watching or listening, you know that how film does on opening weekend is kind of all important. So yeah. this weekend, let's blow it out of the water so that it stays in the theaters for a number of weeks uh, to follow. Greg Laurie, thank you for being with us. Kevin, thanks for having me on. Kevin McCullough, That Kevin Show, coming right back. Hey, get the soundtrack. Search hashtag new music spotlight on Spotify or Apple Music. Serving it up with a no drink minimum. It's that Kevin Show. Ladies and gentlemen, in the new music spotlight this week, an artist who has gone through a very public and very painful part of life, as she's now documented in a new six-song EP. Here is Kelsey Ballerini. For me. 
from 29 I can't handle another year of you and I just being fine I've shared all my secrets and I've paid for all my crimes And our stars ain't falling back in line I'm wearing the rings now, but I think I'm lying Sometimes you forget yours, I think we're done trying I realize you love me much more at 23 I think that this is when it's over for me I think that this is when I cut the Taking the ring off, I'm finally crying Don't try to find yours, no reason to fight it You'll say I'm crazy for being the one to leave Scream, I'm just like my parents and giving up easy But you'll never tell that, that's why to see When it's over for me Kelsey Ballerini in the new music spotlight. Kevin McCullough saying stick around. More of that Kevin show on its way next. Hey, get the soundtrack. Search hashtag new music spotlight on Spotify or Apple Music.